Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. All the action, excitement, and drama from across the entire women's game. It's a wonder goal! Women's Football Weekly. Absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. The FA has revealed that the prize money for the Women's FA Cup will be increased tenfold to £3 million from next season. Kerr, has she stayed on site here? Yes, she has. Catley trying to get back at her. It's Kerr! Oh, it's wonderful. What a brilliant goal from Sam Kerr to surely secure the FA Cup for Chelsea. As uncertainty around the future of the club grows, Chelsea deliver on the pitch. Sam Kerr at it again, a late goal keeping them in the title race. It's a huge goal in the WSL title race because Chelsea have found a late winner here. It's Chelsea 1, Aston Villa 0. Sam Kerr, she's been denied by Hannah Hampton all afternoon, but finally finds a way past... And Caroline wears the hero again as Manchester City overcomes Spurs in the battle for third. Still with bronze, who does find Rasso. Plays it into the six-yard box. Oh, and I think it's Caroline Weir who's there. Well, she's in fantastic goal-scoring form for Manchester City. We'll also be hearing from one of the biggest names in the women's game, Tobin Heath, and looking ahead to the quarterfinals of the Women's FA Cup. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Hi, I'm Georgia Stanway, and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSpark 2. Hello, hello. Happy Monday, you lovely lot. Thank you for being with us as always. And thank you to the wonderful Becky Spencer, Tottenham Hotspur goalkeeper, fresh from her superb exploits. Bar that really scrappy goal for Manchester City. How are you doing, Becky? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Excellent. Disappointed, but yeah. Good, I bet good. you were. Listen, <laughs> we're going to get into that game later on. But by the way, massive round of applause for you because you had an absolute stormer yesterday. Thank you. I appreciate it. Right, listen. We need to talk FA Cup prize money because uh, it's finally been confirmed. Susie Rack at The Guardian broke the story on Friday that the women's FA Cup set to be increased by nearly 10 times its current prize amount. Obviously, in January, uh, the FA had said there'd be a significant increase. Um, and there has been to £3 million, which is fantastic. To speak about this, let's speak to Molly Hudson from The Times. How are you doing, Molly? 
I'm good, Faye. How are you? Yeah, very, very well, thank you. Listen, we've been waiting for the figures. They've finally been released. What was your initial thoughts when you saw them? I think, as you say, Susie, Susie broke the story and, and, you know, that was a fantastic one for her. And I think it was a, it's a really positive story. I think we, we probably spend a, quite a lot of time, you know, writing about negative things and hearing about negative things. And actually, this is a, it's a really positive one. I think it's, it's if, if, if I suppose we put a bit of a negative slant on it, it's long overdue, I think it's fair to say. Um We've seen in particularly this year, this season, we've seen a lot of, of talk about the fact that clubs are kind of struggling to, to meet the demands of these games, the expenses, the costs, just because of the the kind of tiny amounts, quite frankly, that they're getting in prize money. So I think this is a huge, huge positive step from the FA. Um, I think it's still something like five times smaller than the men's prize pot, mm-hmm. but... Uh, it's a huge, huge step in the right direction. And I think the main thing is just making the FA Cup this glamorous competition and really rewarding, particularly the teams lower down the pyramid, to actually have a cup run. Because at the moment, the longer you go in the cup, the more you have to spend in expenses. So it's not really always uh, as glamorous a thing as it might be in the men's game. Yeah, absolutely. £1.8 million handed to the men's champions, which, of course, last season uh, was Leicester City. Chelsea, though, who are the current holders of the Women's FA Cup, just picked up £25,000 for their triumph over Arsenal at Wembley. Just not enough. The current pot... £300,000. The FA have finally recognised that. I'll just uh, read you some of the comments from Sue Campbell, the Director of Women's Football at the FA. She says it's going to benefit so many clubs across the women's football period. The FA Cup, whether it's men's or women's, is the biggest and best domestic cup competition in the world. This increased investment from the FA highlights we want clubs competing in it to be rewarded while also highlighting our ongoing commitment to the women's game. Women's football still in its growth phase and we're always looking to make improvements and investment to drive it forward and break new boundaries this is certainly one of the most pleasing during my time with the organization because i know it means so much to many how much does it mean to you becky spencer yeah i mean the fa cup is you know something that we would love to play in um it's just such a special occasion i've been in, involved in so many fa cup finals and it's just you know the the pinnacle of the season um so i think with this i think we definitely do need to put a positive spin on it um obviously it's hard because there's always a comparison to the men's um but, you know, like Sue said, we're still in the growth period of women's football and I think it's definitely a, a step in the right direction. And, you know, especially for, you know, like we just heard about, you know, the the teams in the, the lower leagues, like they need to have an incentive as well. And, you know, when you're paying out, you know, you want to enjoy the com- competition instead of, you know, worried about what the debt you're going to be in or the money that you're going to have to spend out on hotels or travel and stuff like that. So I think it's, it's a positive step in the right direction. So, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it really is. We still don't know, though, Molly, how the purse is going to be split. That's not been confirmed yet, has it? No, I think uh, obviously what we do know that the FA released today is that they described it as a disproportionate amount, but a great deal of this money is going to go to support the teams lower down in the early stages. So it's likely that kind of there'll be more prize money in the early stages, which is which is hugely important because I think in a way, you know, you talk about obviously Chelsea Chelsea won the FA Cup last season or in December because of the COVID calendar, but I suppose £25,000 to them pre the, the current crisis um, wasn't, wasn't such a, a big thing to kind of lose. It was kind of because most of the money comes from the men's team anyway. But if you look at some of the teams that take part earlier on in the competition that are kind of self-funded or 
fund funded things like that you know that's a huge amount of money and that is where it will really make the difference i think lower down that pyramid so i think that's a really positive step that that disproportionate amount will actually go to go to those teams but as you say we don't know the the full breakdown of it just yet yeah hopefully we'll find out a little bit more i have been promised by the fa that we can get to speak to either kelly simmons uh, or baroness sue campbell fingers crossed for next week so stay tuned for that women's football weekly fans um let's talk chelsea while you're here molly you mentioned them there and what's currently going on at the club of course and yesterday they had their first home game at king's meadow since roman abramovich was sanctioned by the uk government for his connection to russian president vladimir putin Plenty of discussion about how the sanctions have impacted the men's team and will do going forward, but the women's team seem to have been largely ignored in a lot of those kind of discussions. Um, what does this special licence mean for Chelsea and specifically for Chelsea women? I think it's sort of very similar to to the case of the men, really, in, in a lot of respects, um, in a sense that obviously they can continue playing, which is fantastic news. But it means, you know, the the fans are, are, are going to pay a price, actually probably more so in the women's game because quite a lot of fans that will go to Kings Meadow will just decide, you know, fairly short notice that they want to attend. Ticket prices are, are pretty cheap. Often games aren't, aren't sold out, so you can always decide sometimes on the day whether you want to go or not. Obviously, under the new rules, fans aren't going to be able to do that. Only season ticket holders will, will be able to attend, um, which is obviously a little bit of a shame for, for King's Meadow because that was that was just starting to sell out. I think we, we'd seen mm. on this show, you know, a couple of weeks it had, it had been sold out, which was a really positive step. Obviously, you know, the everything that's going on in, in Ukraine is, is way bigger and way more important than any of this. But I think, you know, purely from a women's football perspective, that's a bit of a shame. And then the full players out of contract um, at the summer, which is something that I'm sure we'll be keeping a close eye on as to what the solution is there, whether there's some sort of workaround with the licence to be able to keep those players, whether a, a new owner's found that we'll, we'll be able to sort all of that out. Um, at the moment, it's Gisto Young, Marin Mielder, Jonna Anderson and Drew Spence are all out of contract uh, in the summer and, as things stand, would, would leave for free. So I think that's they're kind of the specifics, I suppose, of um, the women's team at the moment. Yeah, and absolutely, you're right to, to to make sure that people know we're not when we're talking about this. This is the least important part of what's going on after the invasion of Ukraine. Absolutely, in terms of football uh, speak, we have to talk about it from from the fans' point of view. And actually, let's hear from some fans, shall we? Because Producer Flo was at the game yesterday and chatted to Tracy Brown, who's the chair of Chelsea Pride, which is the LGBTQ supporters group, about the sanctions and what's it been like uh, being a Chelsea fan in this past week. Like everyone, completely gutted um, that uh, our club's been turned into turmoil. Um, but on the other hand, we have uh, football that still needs to be played and we still need to be able to get behind our team, both the men's and the women's, and our youth teams as well, which seem, people seem to forget about. Um, so yes, it's been... Hard news, but sort of, we sort of knew that there was a possibility of those sanctions coming. And how are you feeling about the future of Chelsea women? Because I know from the conversation we, we've just had that you feel like not enough people are talking about the future of the women's side. Are you concerned about funding, about you know the stability of the team? 
Um, yes, I am. I mean, the media, a lot of the media, even pundits are just talking about, yes, the men's team. We are, I've been using the hashtag one club because actually our club is made up of many parts and it isn't just the men's team. Yes, obviously the men's team have been going for 117 years. So obviously, yes, that's where it started. But we're bigger than our history. We're making history every day. So I would hope that whoever comes in will have that same impetus to actually keep us growing we're winners across the board and if you're coming and you're buying into that I would hope that they'd want to keep investing. You're chair of Chelsea Pride and you go to Chelsea Women Home and Away so what what's the feeling been like amongst the camp on the Facebook groups online what do you think the general feeling is in the in the sports groups? Um, I think obviously yes we're all nervous Um, I think when we went to the away game on Thursday night when we were at West Ham it was the first time as a crowd we felt awkward you could feel that there was hostility towards us that doesn't happen in the women's game so I go to both men's and women's I go to Stamford Bridge as much as I come here and you could definitely tell the crowd switch and that was that was uncomfortable but at that point we just raise our heads up high and we keep supporting our team. Yeah, do you think a lot of people actually haven't been focusing on how it could be a tension both at men's and women's games between rival sides, what's happened, and actually they, people, they need to be careful about that? Yeah, I just, I just think that yeah, people have lost sight that actually you do get away fans. I know it's different when you have away fans go to women's games, but you can still have hostility and people are still talking non-stop. And a lot of people are talking rubbish to be fair we don't know anything they're not going to know anything and half of the media doesn't know anything and the club are not really releasing much so what we can do is try to ignore the outside noise and actually focus on us and actually focus on each game at a time that was Tracy Brown, chair of Chelsea Pride, speaking to producer Float Lloyd Hughes at the match against Aston Villa yesterday. Uh, Becky Spencer and Molly Hudson with me here on Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. Myself and, uh, and Becky were talking, Molly, before we came on air about the uncomfortable conversation that is the amount of money that Roman Abramovich has invested in the women's side of Chelsea FC. And arguably, the state of the women's game in England currently wouldn't be necessarily in the position that it's in right now without that money, which is a really tough conversation to have to have. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because I think you're completely right. I think we look at, you know, Chelsea and I think it's fair to say Manchester City as well. In And, you know, they have maybe not to the same extent as Rona Ranvich, but also not perhaps the most desirable of owners. And I think it, it's fair to say that both of those clubs have, have really got behind the women's team and they have really supported it financially. I think what you have to remember as well, and I know it's very difficult to uh, disassociate, I suppose, between the money and the people that run the club because the people that run the club are employed by that money, essentially. But there are a lot of very good people at Chelsea that obviously are impacted by this as well. You know, I was speaking to Flo before before the show and we were talking about how, how well Emma Hayes, I think, has, has come out of this. Her, her reputation will only be enhanced in the way that she's dealt very honestly and clearly and sort of said as much as she possibly can, I think, very honestly in, in what is a, a difficult time for her because ultimately she doesn't have the answer to a lot of these questions either. But I think it is, it is a, a very fair point that Chelsea have driven the game on, but ultimately how good Chelsea are as a women's team has come from that investment. 
Yeah, and not just how good a team Chelsea is. That, of course, then raises everybody else's standards up, Becky, doesn't it? And and arguably without Chelsea and, and what's been done there and the improvements in terms of the one-club mentality, the investment in training facilities, bringing them uh, you know, to, to, to Cobham and, and the men's training ground, that's made everybody else have to do the same. Yeah, I mean... You know, they've led the way. Um, it's taken years for them to do that. And I think Emma will be quite open about that. It's taken them a fair few years and she's grown that club, um, obviously with the help and the backing of the men's side. Um, but it's, it's been a process and it's definitely something that she's very proud of. Um, but all it does is, is is drag everyone else along and we all have to kind of follow suit because otherwise if you don't, then we'll get left behind. And, you know, that's just the nature of, of women's football and the nature of the way the direction it's going in. So... You know, if we can't keep up and we can't, you know, facilitate what we actually need as clubs, then, you know, we'll suffer at the end of the day. So I think, you know, what Chelsea have done has been amazing and, you know, they've really grown the game and they're helping everyone else that's, you know, behind at the moment. There will obviously be people, though, who question where that money's come from and the, and the moral side of that, which is completely understandable at the same time. Just, just finally, Molly, the government have said that they're hoping there will be a sale of the club um, by the end of the month. What more do we know about that? I think what we know is that at the moment we're at a stage where there's a, an awful lot of names and um, various businesses being linked. And I think hopefully that will only become clearer in the coming weeks. I think the the main thing for the club, I think, is just to get it almost done as quickly as possible because I think all of this uncertainty that we talk about, whether it's the fact that you know, the fans aren't able to buy tickets, whether it's the, the futures of some of the players, you know, if they can get that sale through, then most of those things will will kind of go away to an extent. And I think um, Rona Van Rich has, by all accounts, kind of done as much as he can to allow that to happen. So I think hopefully for all parties, uh, the quicker it's resolved, the better. And then hopefully... Um, particularly for, for the women's players, you know, their, their futures will be, be a lot more secure. I'm sure we will speak to you about this in, in the coming weeks, Molly, as, as things develop further. But thanks so much for joining us tonight. Molly Hansen there uh, from The Times. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. Tottenham goalkeeper Becky Spencer with me as well. Coming up, we're going to chat through all the rest of the WSL. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I am Faker Others and I'm with Tottenham goalkeeper Becky Spencer tonight. Don't forget, if you miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so you just need to go ahead and download it today. Right, let's take a look back at some of the weekend's Women's Super League action with now. Football Weekly Preview on TalkSport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream weekly weekend matches from the Women's Super League live without a contract from just $9.99. Search Now Sports 18 plus stream via internet. Terms apply. Okay, so we were talking Chelsea earlier on. Uh, there were 1-0 winners over Aston Villa. The match itself, uh, Villa played absolutely brilliantly. Hannah Hampton in particular, uh, Becky, seemed to have an answer for absolutely everything that, that Chelsea threw at her. But it did look destined for a goalless draw and two points dropped for Chelsea in their chase of Arsenal. But then up popped Sam Kerr in the 92nd minute. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about Chelsea. They'll find a way to win. Um, and I think, obviously, everything that's going around, you know, surrounding them at the moment, I think they, you know, it was important that they got the win for the fans, for themselves, um, for the confidence of, you know, of the club itself. So I think for them, they found they found a way to win. And, you know, unfortunately for Aston Villa, they just, you know, didn't do enough. And, yeah, Chelsea are a great team. So, like I said, any, any team, like, trying to win the league they're going to find a way to, to get the three points yeah it means it stays in their hands doesn't it those mm. celebrations from Kerr Hayes and the rest of the Chelsea <laughs> players I saw Erin Cuthbert's tweet uh, which made me giggle uh, with uh, Emma Hayes going there let's, let's hear from the manager herself shall we she told TalkSport that Kerr's winner was a real release for her whole squad after a difficult week I think I even went down the touchline which I never do but only to give them instructions because I could see they'd lost control and I, I think after the week we've just had, you you compete for championships when you win games like that. Games where you're not at your best, didn't think we looked the freshest. You have a hat for the chances, but you don't convert. The opposition plays really, really well too. Um, you're down to your bare bones and we're competing for a championship because we're able to win a game like that. Amazing, amazing spirit and camaraderie from the players to do that. They gutted that out. Yeah, Emma Hayes there. Gritty performance from Chelsea, but a word on Villa. They're safe, obviously. Definitely building something special with Carla Ward and some of their January additions uh, are, are fantastic, but really kind of lacking any attacking output, really. Uh, Carla Ward said uh, her side was stunned after the late goal. Absolutely gutted, um, gut-wrenching, quite honestly. I think I just actually summed it up that it's like that moment you find out you've been cheated on as that goal goes in and your whole stomach drops, all the hard work that's gone in and uh, genuinely, genuinely devastation amongst the group. Why? You know, some people go, oh, you know, you've done brilliantly. You've just been beat 1-0 by the champions. No, I think we've deserved the point today. And I said to you before kickoff, I felt, you know, I felt like we were in a good place. We fancied it. Um, but yeah, I can honestly say we're absolutely gutted tonight. That's Carla Ward there, and that's the mentality they need to have, Becky Spencer, rather than, oh, yeah, we did really well up till 92 minutes, but, you know, in the end, Chelsea won. No, you want to be that that gutted about it. Yeah, I mean, when people say that, I find it quite offensive, actually. Um, you know, they, they're a good team, Aston Villa, and, you know, they've got new players, they've got a new manager, and they're building something good. And I think, you know, when you have a really, really good performance like that and you deserve something from the game and then you get that kind of you know, them kind of comments afterwards. patronising. It yes, yeah, patronising. And it feels a bit like a, you know, it's a bit of a low blow, you mm. know, especially when you've put so much effort into the game. And um, yeah, she's she's right to feel like that. And, you know, a late winner like that is, is a horrible, horrible feeling. And when a lot of people look at your result yesterday, Tottenham, Tottenham nil, Manchester City won, they will think exactly the same, won't they? But I tell you what, you had a cracking game, as I said at the start of the show. You were superb, pulled off some amazing saves and pulled off an amazing save just before Caroline Weir then bundled in that really scrappy goal for their winner. Yeah, I mean, you know, that goal kind of says it all. They didn't really, there wasn't much of a threat from them in terms of we defended really well uh, from front to back. And I think, you know, a goal like that just says it all and it summed the game up. Um, we Obviously, I felt like we deserved a point out of the game. And, you know, it came towards the end of the game and Man City were wasting time. So it showed you know, what kind of mentality they were in. I think they just needed to win the game at all costs. It doesn't matter how they won it or how ugly it was. Or like I said, though, they found a way to win. And that's what, you know, teams do when they're competing for, you know, for the top three space.
Yeah, and uh, look, I know you can't say too much about this, but the pitch was pretty poor at the Hive yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those things and we have to kind of get on with it and we've kind of, you know, as a team, we've had to adapt and, and to kind of let, it, well, try and, and play our football on it. Um, yeah, it's, it's difficult, but, um, you know, we try our best with it and, you know, we just get on with it. So you're still three points behind Manchester United in fourth. Man City, though, closing the gap on you to two points and they've got a game in hand as well. What's the belief like in the team at the moment that you could potentially still get this Champions League spot? Yeah, I mean, the spirits are high. Even after yesterday's, you know, result, we're, we're still we're still in there and we're still winning with a fighting chance. And, you know, each game is a difficult game and everyone talks about the run of games that we've got because we've got, obviously, Chelsea and then Arsenal. Um, so it is, a, it is a tough run of games, but every game in this league is tough, you know, these days. So you can't take anything for granted, but the spirits are high and, you know, we're going to keep pushing right until the end. Yeah, and obviously you beat Manchester City earlier on in, in the season, ran them really close yesterday. But as you say, Chelsea and Arsenal, massive games because they obviously both have to win th- themselves mm. I mean that's a real statement in- of intent if if you take six points from those games yeah I mean the pressure's on them they've got to win every single game now you know to keep you know whoever wins the championship at the end of it um, you know and for us we're, we're playing when we're playing free-minded and we're just enjoying what we do um, and I had an interview yesterday and I just said the culture within our team is so good we're together um, we don't feel the pressure we just get on with it and we you know we dig each other out and we you know we try and find ways to just make it as hard as possible for these teams and what is it that Rianne Skinner has, has done since she came in because there does seem like there's been a real shift and, and almost like a step in professionalism and and that's nothing against Karen Hills and Juan Amaros at all but they had been there a, a long time and perhaps an, a new injection of life and a different professionalism w- was needed yeah of course you know they've done a great job and you know they got they got Spurs out of the championship and uh, obviously for us we needed something new um, we needed a freshen and you know Rianne's bought just that and you know we're really disciplined we know what we're about we know what our identity is um, and she's built a really, really good club culture, um, which we've all bought into. And I think when you all pull together in the right direction, that's why the results are how they are. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, we're going to talk about the rest of the Barclays FAWSL matches coming shortly. For now, though, that was a look at this weekend's, uh, last weekend's Women's Super League action with Now. Don't forget, with the Now Sports membership, you can stream the Women's Super League live on Sky Sports without a contract. You just need to search Now Sports. Women's Football Weekly Preview on TalkSport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream weekly weekend matches from the Women's Super League live without a contract from just $9.99. Search Now Sports 18 plus, stream via internet, terms apply. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Faker Others and Becky Spencer with you. As I said, coming up, we'll talk through the rest of the weekend's FAWSL action and preview the Women's FA Cup quarterfinals. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with me, Faker Others, and Tottenham goalkeeper Becky Spencer. Right, the rest of the weekend's action. Uh, Reading lost 3-1 at home to Manchester United, who continue their brilliant record against Kelly Chambers' side in the WSL. They've never lost against them. Uh, Leah Galton putting United in the lead early on before a Hannah Blundell error allowed Reading back into the game. Rachel Rowe intercepting a loose pass to play in Deanne Rose, who got the equaliser. What did you make of, of United in this game, Becky? Um, I didn't get to see much of it because I had training uh, that day but I heard that they were dominant um, I heard also Mary Earps had a really really good game to keep to keep Man United in in it um, but they're in they're in fine form at the moment and Reading are you know kind of having a bit of an up and down season so I think you know I would have said that Man United were always going to win that game yeah controversial third goal though in some ways really should have on a batch's shot bounced off the crossbar and over the line but wasn't given in the end uh, Russo then curled the rebound in to eventually grab the third I mean again we, we talk about refereeing decisions every single week I get quite bored of it and you know there is a process in place to improve things but it's still frustrating yeah, um, it is frustrating. Um, you know, they're trying their best and, you know, they're, they're only humans at the end of the day and, you know, all, all refs do make mistakes. But when some of them are so obvious, I think that's when it really does kind of grate on us as players and as, you know, fans and obviously coaching staff. So, you know, it's improving year after year, but I still think there's a, you know, we really need to kind of get this nailed down now. Yeah, it's a professional game mm-hmm. and the officials have to be as professional, but then they need help to do yes, that exactly. um, Brighton and Hove Albion nil Arsenal three I mean Brighton's season they're so inconsistent this season 27 minutes is all it took for Arsenal to break down Brighton all wrapped up for them in the first half really uh, Stina Blaxenius continuing her fantastic form getting two goals and a Barclays player um, player player of the month award uh, four in five for her in all competitions now and again her link up play with Miedemar is just a sight to behold yeah, I mean, I said it to you earlier on when we were talking, you know, I think Arsenal have got the most, you know, their attacking threat is just so, they've just got players everywhere and it is really a nightmare to play against. And obviously now with Blackstenius coming in and Miedema taking up a little bit of a different role, um, I think they complement each other perfectly, um, you know, and they seem to be unstoppable. Oh, I don't want her to leave. <laughs> don't break that partnership up. Stay, Vivian, stay. Uh, Beth Mead got Arsenal's third in the 34th minute. Simple finish, really, from another uh, Meadamar pass. Hope Powell, though, said her side was sloppy. Gifted Arsenal their first two goals. Uh, when you look at the stats, oh my goodness me. Arsenal, 21 shots, 10 of them on target. Brighton managing just two on target and they drop into eighth. And it's been such a frustrating season for Hope Powell. What's she going to have to do in the summer? 
Um, I mean, it's it's a real difficult one because Brighton really did start off really well, um, and they were up there and challenging. And you know, I think it, this stage of the season, really, you do really find out where you are as a club and as a team. Um, it kind of shows all your flaws. Um, so I think, you know, they've got a great coach in Hope and um, I've got no doubt in maybe in the transfer window because she's brought a lot of players in this season. Um, so, you know, I don't know whether it's a tactical thing, whether it's a training thing, I'm not really sure. But um, I'm sure whatever needs to be done, Hope will kind of find the way to to make it happen. Yeah, I'm sure. She's an incredible coach. Um, it means that Arsenal's lead is back uh, to five points, but obviously Chelsea still have those two games in hand. They do have to win them, though. Keep saying that. So many so many clubs with these games in hand from, from COVID and various other, other things. But you need the points on the board. Um, Everton 3, Leicester City 2. A much-needed win for Everton. It just shows how poor their form's been. Yeah, there's another team, you know, obviously with a manager change and then manager going halfway through the season. It's just been a bit of a... It just feels like it's been a bit of a strange season, to be honest, and the team's just been quite... A lot of inconsistencies. Um, you know, for Everton, like we said on the last show, I think it was just a matter of, you know, who their next manager's going to be and, you know, where they're going to be at next season. I think they've got a kind of... Obviously, they've ensured safety um, and then they've got to push on for next season. Yeah, they really do. Um, Gemma Perfield obviously putting Leicester in the lead in the fifth minute. Um, Tony Duggan then levelling things up 25 minutes later. Um, and then Anvergaard putting Everton in the lead. Similar goal to their first one as well. Poor back pass towards goal. Easily intercepted uh, by her. Leicester did manage to bring things level. Um, but Sandy McKeever tried to come out to claim a free kick. Missed it and allowed Tierney a free header from two yards out. But they eventually found the winner. And this is the kind of thing that Everton have to do and haven't been doing earlier on in the season. Yeah, Um you know, they've because they're a good team. They've got plenty of you know good players uh, in their squad. Um, so yeah, I think it's just about getting back on track. And you know, like I said, they haven't got a manager at the moment. I don't think so. I think next season not a permanent been, one, not a permanent mm. one. Yes, it's an interim. So I think you know, come next season, I think they're going to have to really nail it down. Um, and whoever that may be will you know bring the best out of the players yeah Everton up to ninth Leicester uh, stay 11th uh, done a favour really by uh, Birmingham in many ways and, and their poor season which continued with a 1-0 defeat at home to West Ham Adriana Leon getting the only goal of the game just before half time lovely first time finish uh, from a Katarina Svitkova corner as well. But that's 17 defeats in 19 FAWSL games for Birmingham. And Darren Carter, their boss, said after the game he hoped his team could change the narrative around the club following a pretty tumultuous time. I don't really see how that can happen unless results change on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to... And also pray for teams around them to drop points as well and it's it's really difficult I, mean, I was at Birmingham when we were going through a similar patch where we were in the relegation zone and it is a horrible horrible place to be because mm. you can't find any form and then you think you find form by one win and then the next week you're losing again and it's really really difficult to pick yourselves up and keep going um, I know they're a resilient bunch um, they've got a good manager they've got a good assistant manager as well um, and I think they were hoping that, that you know bringing in Marcus Bignot was going to kind of raise their standards again and push them but I just think it just maybe too little too late for them Five games left eight points adrift I think it's written on the wall isn't it Sorry Birmingham fans and sorry Darren Carter who I know <laughs> you want us to change the narrative but we're trying yeah. but you're not helping us I'm afraid uh, That sounds really patronising and it genuinely isn't meant like that because a big team like Birmingham should be 
in the Barclays FAWSL for sure and there'll be a huge miss if they do end up dropping out. Um, right, this weekend... Uh, some big FA Cup quarterfinals uh, kicks off on Friday. Arsenal hosting Coventry United. Let's bring in uh, producer Flo for these as well. We always love an FA Cup, don't we, here on Women's Football Weekly, Flo. Uh, so Arsenal kicking things off. Is this going to be as straightforward as the paper form predicts it might? Yeah, I think actually when you look at all these quarterfinals... I think all the WSL clubs have got off quite lightly with this draw. wasn't a draw that we didn't do uh, here at, at Women's Football Weekly, a rarity as well. So they might be happy with that. For Let's once. stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think you look at that draw and we'll talk about some of the other fixtures in a minute, but it's all pretty favourable for all the bigger, quote, quote, bigger sides mm. and all of the Arsenal, Chelsea and Man City and West Ham United 2018 finalists have done pretty well there and will probably be banking on getting through to the semi-finals and then give themselves a shot at Wembley. So it's worked out pretty well because we'll have probably all of those sides still in the competition come Monday. No guarantees. I think Everton might want to cause an upset against City, but... I think when you look at those fixtures, you probably can can choose a favourite there for sure. Yeah, when you look at the fixtures. So uh, Manchester City Everton is on Sunday, as is Chelsea Birmingham. Chelsea at home for that one as well. Um, and then the lowest team ranked in the competition, uh, Ipswich Town, who are in the FA Women's Premier League South, playing against West Ham United. I mean, it would be amazing, wouldn't it, to see Ipswich in the semi-finals? No, oh. no offence, West Ham fans, be, in the slightest, but we love an underdog. Yeah, it'd be incredible. I mean, we were talking about prize money earlier. Um, they'll be there at home, which, um, because of the way that prize money is distributed in the in the WSL, when I think um, Molly mentioned it when we chatted to her about uh, tickets and things like that. So Ipswich will be claiming all the revenue for that game, and I expect there hopefully will be a massive crowd as well to see them. So it's a huge opportunity, and you never know. I mean, Take it to extra time, take it to penalties. Anything can happen. In the last game Ipswich played, we saw the goalkeeper score a goal uh, before... It was the Southampton goalkeeper that scored the goal before Everton managed to win the penalty shootout. So, uh, so sorry, before Ipswich managed to win the penalty shootout. So they will know that literally anything can happen because it happened in their previous previous round. But I think it's exciting. Absolutely. Who's your favourite, Becky? Well, out of Ipswich, West Ham. No, well, no, for, for, for all of them. All You've got of Arsenal, Coventry United, Man City, Everton, Chelsea, Birmingham, Ipswich, West Ham. Who's going into the semi-finals for you? I mean, like I said, you, I'd favour the top teams to go through, but you just you just never know. Like I've, We played against Coventry in the Conti Cup, and if if, they're, if Coventry at home, it's a, it's a difficult place to go. They play on 3G, they play on artificial turf as well, so it's a difficult place to go if they are playing away. They're away. Oh, they're away. Okay. Yeah. Then, okay. <laughs> then they're going to have their work gonna cut out. Are you just going to reel back on that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, brilliant. Well, good luck to all the teams. We very much look forward to, to seeing who's going to get in the semi-finals. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. Becky Spencer and Flo Lloyd-Hughes with me. Next up, we're going to hear from World Cup winner and Arsenal forward, of course, Tobin Heath. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Others. Alongside me tonight is Becky Spencer, Tottenham Hotspur goalkeeper, of course. Uh, right, championship results. 
It's getting interesting because Bristol City have closed the gap on Liverpool women to seven points. I lie, it stayed at seven points because Liverpool won as well, but they were 3-1 winners uh, over Watford at the weekend. Blackburn Rovers, 2-1 winners over Sunderland. Uh, Liverpool away from home against Charlton, 1-0 winners. We've just been watching some of the goals from Sheffield United to London City, 1. And Adrian Durham of TalkSport fame had come in here earlier on to say you got to watch uh, the Sheffield United 2-1 uh, goal, which was absolutely fantastic from Lucy Watson, Becky. Yeah, it was a new, she, you know, she's cut in from, from the right-hand side onto her left foot and she's absolutely smashed it in. It's a great finish and the keeper had nothing, she couldn't do anything about it. She couldn't, but <laughs> Fran Kitchener in the, in the other goal did, uh, saved a penalty, which was, which was great. And you were telling me just a second ago off air what a tough time Fran has had as well. Yeah, um, I'm just really happy for her because, you know, she suffered a real, you know, really, really bad facial injury, you know, when she was at Liverpool in training and, you know, she's gone through a lot, um, it's taken a lot out of her and I think now she's coming back to her best form and she's been really, really good at, at Sheffield United. So I'm really, really happy for her. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cracking game, that sounded like. Uh, Lewis were 2-0 winners over Crystal Palace. They needed that boost, I think, Lewis. They've had a, a tough couple of weeks. Uh, and Durham, Coventry United played out a goalless draw. Uh, right, when you look at the table, that means, as I said, Liverpool women, seven points clear still of Bristol City women. I think anything, you know, they'd need a complete and utter collapse if they weren't going to return uh, to the Barclays FAWSL. And it'll be great to see them back in there, that's for sure. Um, right, let's talk Tobin Heath, shall we? Because last week, Talk Sports Bradley Hayden sat down with the Arsenal forward, who's also, don't forget, a two-time gold medalist and a two-time World Cup winner ahead of the North London derby, which is at the Emirates on the 26th of March. And Bradley spoke to her about moving to the WSL and playing for her childhood club. Tobin, thanks so much for joining me. Um, first things first, how much are you enjoying your time at Arsenal so far? Uh, yeah, it's been um, a great opportunity. Um, obviously, like I came here with you know a lot of expectations, and um, you know the team and and the staff, and just being able to represent the badge has been um, such an incredible time. Um, so I'd say, yeah, it's been it's been a great season so far. And how much are you enjoying life in London and the and the WSL as well? Yeah, London's an incredible city. Um, there's so much to it. Um, so, in terms of like living in a place like London, it's it's great. Even you know if you take away the the football, it's just a fantastic city to be in. Um, and the and WSL is a great league. I mean, there's there's so much to play for, especially this year. There's a lot of competition. Um, from top to bottom, you know, you're always every single week, you know, you don't know what a result's going to be like. Um, so I think it's put a lot of pressure on on each fixture, especially this time of year. Um, and I think that's what you want from a league. You know, you want to see a lot of competition and, you know, the fight for the title is is really strong. And um, so I think overall for, for a fan, fan of the league and for a player in it, it's, it's, it's a great situation. Would it be fair to say that you live in the dream right now as a as an Arsenal fan? You know, did you ever think? Did you ho- always hope that you would perhaps play here one day? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was a really unique opportunity being a fan and, and now having the opportunity to play um, for a club. You know, that I've just admired my whole 
my whole career. Um, yeah, it's certainly unique, and I feel really blessed to, to be able to experience that. Um, and then also to be playing for so much, you know. We have um, the FA Cup, we have the league, and we have um, Champions League all, you know, coming down to some really um, key and important fixtures. So um, overall, you know, like, the season's going to be decided by by a lot, and it's a extremely ambitious group and um it's a big reason why i wanted to come so um we'll see we'll see what happens and when you got the phone call last summer then it was a it was quite a straightforward decision then i suppose yeah definitely um for sure it's um i think there were like a couple factors to it uh, that made it like really unique and possible um but uh overall um obviously when when i heard the interest uh, my interest was was certainly there um, what are your early sort of memories as, a, as an Arsenal fan? I mean, what sort of people, what sort of players did you sort of look up to here when, when you were younger? Yeah, it's really unique experience as an American because um, it's obviously not, you know, super popular, um, or at least when, you know, I started following the Premier League, it wasn't super popular. Uh, nowadays in the U.S. it's much um, much easier to, to follow along and to be a fan of. Um, but back then I kind of felt like very um, alone in in that, but it also brought me like great great pride and it, it took a lot of effort to be able to be a fan too because it was almost like you always had to like always find something or always work to be able to see something. And, you know, just collecting the memorabilia, watching the games. Um, I just loved watching Arsenal as a kid and... Um, I, I was telling someone before every single year, you know, I'd get the new um, team poster that I would put up above the old team poster in my room. And, um, you know, just like the special players like Henri and Vieira and uh, Sesk. I, I just like I love the Invincibles. I loved the way that they played and and then the results that, that came with that style. And Arson, his philosophy was just brilliant. You know, like you think of players and of coaches that have changed the evolution of football and you know this club is iconic for it so um obviously like that started um the way that i feel about the club and the way that i've i've continued and now you know obviously it's a unique and and special experience to be here as as a fan absolutely and growing up in the states how how did you get into to football when when you were younger i think getting into football is really easy because it's the number one sport, especially for, for girls. Um, uh, so that part was was easy, I think. You know, the next, there was never like kind of that thought of becoming a professional though, because when I was growing up, that wasn't an actual um, thing. So, uh, you know, obviously just my love um, for the game from the very beginning, I played with the football, you know, just continued kind of my career. And it was almost like, you know, having the dream and living the dream at the same time because you you know the the women's game has continued to evolve really quickly um and grown a lot so thankfully you know I have the opportunities that I have you know being able to be a professional at a club like this and you know more and more opportunities um hopefully as the game grows gives you know much much more you know many more dreams to to the next generation Absolutely, and and for yourself growing up, was there any particular players that you maybe looked up to or or tried to sort of model yourself on or tried to aspire to be like when, when you were younger? You know, not from the women's game, but you know, I was obsessed with uh, Brazilian football and um, particularly Ronaldinho and um, just the way that he, the relationship he had with the football, and 
You know, I I love players that when you watch them on the field, they do something unexpected or different than than what you would assume would happen in a situation. Um, so kind of the innovators um, and the creators were always players that I was drawn to. And in terms of this Arsenal team right here now, I mean, you look at the, the bench at the weekend, you had people like, you know, you had yourself, you had Lottie Wuber moy you had Jen Beattie, um, you've had people like Beth Mead on, on the bench in recent weeks. I mean, just how competitive is, is this Arsenal squad right now? Yeah, it's extremely competitive and it has to be in order for us to... Um, to achieve the things that we want to achieve, we need that competition within within the squad, um, and to make sure that you know we don't become complacent. And I think that each week, you know, brings a different challenge. And sometimes, even the weeks that you think would would be easy have have been more difficult for us. And um, in order to prepare for the really, really, I guess you know, the circle tough fixtures, we have to make sure that. You know, week in and week out, even within training, that we're doing the little bits that add up. You know, to the to the big moments then that are seen. And you've you've played with some great players in your career, some great teams as well. Where does this current Arsenal team rank in terms of you know teams that you you've played in in your career so far? I think from a- even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Club level, this is by far the most talented team I've ever been a part of. Um, and I use like talent and, you know, potential are, are worth nothing unless you actually win something. So it doesn't necessarily equate to, you know, something that will get written down in the history books, which is what we intend to do but in terms of just overall team shooting quality this is by far the best club team I've I've been a part of and how hungry are the team for for success this season I mean currently top of the league and still fighting on other fronts as well yeah I think it's a a funny like English thing because I don't think they would admit to being really hungry or whatever (laughs) but um I do think that you know the the club has um, some huge goals and, and objectives um, that you know we're, we're staring at um, in the near future, and um, it will be exciting to see. You know, I think our performances, you know, will show exactly how we are to, to win. And in terms of Jonas Eideval, the manager here, I mean, what's he been like to work with so far, and, and what are his main strengths? Yeah, I think um, kind of going back to the last question, like it's clear that um, you know we have a manager that that is ambitious and that is hungry to win and to um, get the team playing in a way um, and in an arsenal way to win. Um, So I think that he's brought a lot of um, new ideas and new energy that the group has, 
that has lifted the group and given a lot of belief. Um, and you know, it's such a long season because so therefore you're always going to have you know those ups and down moments. But if you could really cat think of the down moments in a good way and not a bad way, which I think we've we've you know bounced back through some like um, tough stretches for us. Um, it has made us stronger and. Um, you know, even when we've had some games that it hasn't necessarily been performance, but it's just been, you know, you know, just tough games to really grind out. You know, we've shown a lot of character in a lot of games from coming from behind and and winning games or or tying games, which, you know, doesn't feel necessarily great um, having to always work hard for. Um, points sometimes you want just to get through through a game easily um, but I do think it's really character building and I've seen us really dig in um, to get the results um, that you know you're going to look back at the season and, and realize how valuable that digging in was. And in terms of the decision that we saw in, in the US recently regarding the settlement regarding equal pay I mean that's something that's been ongoing for, for a long long time now and just how significant a moment is that 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 decision and that settlement has, has now been reached? Yeah, speaking of like digging in, it has been a long time and it's been a long fight and it's a long time to be, you know, at odds with with your employer. Um, So I think from that perspective, both sides are extremely happy to be able to move forward in our relationship um, and um, to grow, feel like we're growing the game together um, and and not opposed um, because Soccer America will be so much better when we're working towards the same objectives but I will just commend uh, my teammates and and the people that have helped us along the way because um, it was exhausting and to think that even during that time the team was still able to um, be as successful as we were while you know obviously facing a huge another huge battle at the same time um, is just a testament to the group. I mean, how significant could this change be, not just for women's football in America, but for women's football across the globe as well now going forward? Yeah, I think for, for a lot of uh, women's football, we are kind of the torchbearers of of the progress that needs to be made within the sport. And I think it's always you know a responsibility that we've taken very serious um, to continue to push the ceiling and to, to demand more for the women's game. And I think that a lot of other federations and and even leagues have have looked to us as as that standard, and you know we continue to fight and to push and to believe and to um, um, demand the thing, the types of equality that are needed within the sport in order for it to grow, um, and for in order for um, us to put out the product in the field that that makes people proud and and able to celebrate women's football for what it is. Absolutely, and would you like to see other countries follow suit now and and, and try and find similar agreements as well? Yeah, definitely. I think um, each country is a little uh, bit different in where they're at in in their journey. But I think that if we give um, inspiration um, or even um, a picture for anyone else in, in order to say, look, look what's going on over there. Like, that's the new expectation. That's the new norm for women's football. And we need it here. Um, that's That was the goal. And how proud does it make you feel that yourself and your teammates are going to be remembered in history as now as, as the people who, who got this change? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the group has um, done a lot, you know, for football, both on and off the off the field. And I think for the things that we're most proud of, this is certainly um, the very most thing that we're proud of because it doesn't just um, 
influence change from a sporting perspective or a football perspective. It influences huge change towards equality for, for the whole world. And what other things would you like to see implemented in the next five or ten years to continue to drive women's football across the world? Yeah, I think for me personally, I think we should start with just like the standards in within the workplace. Um, I think that would to create an actual professional environment for women um, and for young girls to aspire to be and to, you know, have more fixtures, more games that are celebrating and and showing the belief in in women's football um, like games at the Camp Nou, like games at the Emirates um, and understanding that there's there's so much um business opportunity within women's football that isn't even being tapped into um, would be fantastic and to put out you know a team and a performance that you know people come to imagine and dreams are made from that moment because they see something absolutely incredible and not something that's you know mediocre like women's football deserves the incredible Brilliant stuff. That was Tobin Heath there speaking to Talk Sports. Bradley Hayden, of course, Arsenal forward, two-time gold medalist and two-time World Cup winner. Uh, Becky Spencer, Tottenham goalkeeper, has faced Tobin Heath. I mean, she's a force to be reckoned with, isn't she? Yeah, um, I think it's because she's, you know, she's very unpredictable to play against. Um, you don't know what she's going to do, and she's got so much quality. So you know, you've really got to have your wits about you when you're playing against her and. You know, she compliments Arsenal team really well. Um, and I think they missed her when she was injured. And I think, you know, it's taken her a bit of a time to, to kind of get back into the swing of it. But I think now she's back and she's only going to improve their team. I love the fact that she's a massive Arsenal fan as well, talking about the Invincibles there and, and, and supporting them from over in, in the US. And it, it's different, isn't it? When when you support the team that you play for, it's a different kind of pride, perhaps. Yeah, um, and I think you're so passionate as well. And, you know, like Kate Longhurst at West Ham, for example, I mean, she's West Ham through and through and, you know, you can see it in her performances if that makes sense and um, I think you're probably the same for Tobin when you're you know a diehard Arsenal fan I think you know playing for them is like a dream come true a player like Tobin in the Barclays FAWSL is absolutely huge commercially for the game uh, as as well as you know showing over the pond that, that big players who've won the World Cup can come over here and thrive and it just proves what a huge league this is now yeah, um, I've said it before I think you know it's, it's probably the best league in the world uh, for me Um uh, it's it's just a different way of football. I think you know what she's probably faced in in the US is a lot different to what the game is like over here. It's a lot more technical over here. So I think you know she might have had to have adapted her game, and it, I think it suits her a lot more to be in a more technical league other than such a physical league. So I think she, yeah, you know, she must be enjoying it here. And bar a complete disaster, we should get her playing in the Champions League next season. Yeah, well, I mean, it looks like it. I mean. Yeah, it would be something you know out of the ordinary if they don't make the Champions League now. But um, yeah, she's something for her to look forward to. Yeah, it really is. Uh, something for you to look forward to is a week off, essentially. <laughs> what have you got planned? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> no, there's no plans. Just training and, you know, just trying to get ourselves right, I think, for for the for the Chelsea midweek game next week. Such a professional. <laughs> Tell me really what you're going to get up to <laughs> off there. Uh, thanks you for coming in as always Becky Spencer. I'm sure we'll see you again soon. Good yeah. luck for that big game against Chelsea as well. Thank uh, big thanks to Becky Spencer, Molly Hudson, Tobin Heath, Bradley Hayden, producer Flo, and of course as ever all of you for listening. Don't forget if you do miss any of the show you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the Talk Sport app.